Grace will become an ethnically diverse community, not to check some box of tokenism, not to pat ourselves on the back for being good people. No, so that we can experience the strength and the maturity that comes from all the gifts of the Spirit working together for the healing of our world. Well, well, welcome to Between Sundays. I'm Tyler, and I am begging you to lead a life worthy of your calling, dear other. Pull up a seat and bring your unique gift, because we're going to strengthen the kingdom today. Barry's here to lead us back down the path of self-giving love. But before we celebrate diversity, now that they've turned in their license to hate, Let's submit ourselves to our favorite co-hosts, Marin and Barry. Good day, guys. Good day. It was hard to to give over that license. It was so nice to have. Y'all can have it. (laughs) Take it. Turned it in. (laughs) Guys, how are you? Oh, man. Just peachy. No, it's... I'm fine. I'm good. Good. Thank you for asking. (laughs) Yeah? What's new? What's happening? It just... Everything's intense. That's all. I'll say that. It's intense. It is intense. It's good. I felt... I felt very, um, I, I totally felt spent after this past weekend, bet. emotionally, <laughs> physically, uh, but uh, on the bright side, I have now planted my herbs and things, and they are now taking root in my- Herbs and things. What are you planting? What are we doing? It's all, Most of it's like going to save us money on bunny salads, so- <laughs> Oh, you planted like food- A bunch of like kale human and Human food basil. for your rabbits. It's yeah, basil, the mints, two different kinds of mint, <laughs> in a bunch like of lettuces. window boxes. They're in yeah, I, I have one like planter box that I built, and then I've just got a whole bunch of different pots and things on the back porch and <gasps> a couple hanging things. Built. Well, it you're was, the guy I need to talk to. This was. They're not, what, what this are you, not that nice. <laughs> what do you got cooking? Well, I I plant things every year, but since I'm a I love squirrel noises, I'm only two years out from being a straight up city dweller. So every yes, herb are. I grew grew in a window box, um, but I had window boxes last year that I just put on my porch Yeah, and I had a, a chipmunk problem. Oh, I mean, they yeah. are God's creation. Well, so we love them, bless their hearts, but they need to leave my tomatoes alone. Yeah. Yeah. They, they are more of a problem than I realized before owning a home. I was like, Oh, chipmunks are really yeah, cute. We, but <laughs> smash cut to me trying to put Christmas trees in the attic. And it's just like, you have chipmunks a horror in your show. attic. What? You have chipmunks in your attic. Well, they go up there. I don't know if they're <laughs> they currently living. I don't know if they're currently then, uh, living in it. Maybe my idea is not a good idea. I wanted what? a raised planter box, just as primitive as possible. Yeah. Just something on stilts. Well, maybe to it's keep not a chipmunk. Maybe up off the ground. Maybe I have like a squirrel in there. Or something. And really, they didn't touch the herbs. They touched the tomatoes. Yeah, it's all the tomatoes. We we tried to grow tomatoes last year, or was it two years ago? I don't remember, but just every day I just go up out yes. to the back porch and I just see a chipmunk just eating whatever the, was right. The chipmunk stare down. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. I'd stand in my kitchen window and one would just stare at me. At one time I stood there for what must have been 15 minutes. Just one of us is going to move and it's not going to be me. Well, this year I'm trying something new, which I've never, and it may completely fail, but I actually started planting from seed. Uh, but instead of doing the normal route where you plant each individual plant, grow them, and then transplant them. I'm trying something called polyculture, where you... you How many cultures are my there? My goodness, There's I two. feel like culture. every week you come this here is a new this culture. Is a new, this is like a sub-technique within <laughs> oh permaculture. Goodness. Anyway, what you do is you... Get out! <laughs> you scatter a bunch of different kinds of seeds all in the same area. And hope for like the best? Like Jesus? Yes, yes. <laughs> Except it's all fertile soil. So, And then you, you cover it with just like a quarter inch of soil, water it, and then as things start sprouting, once they once they start crowding each other out, you pull the entire plant out and you just eat the baby lettuce or whatever what? and then make room for other stuff. And the next thing that grows a little bit bigger, you pull that one out until you get to the point where you've got a full bed and every square inch is a healthy growing plant. And well, there's no that, weeds. That sounds amazing, but it doesn't sound like they're in neat rows. They're not in neat rows. It's I wouldn't know what to do. Well, that's, the, that's just it. I'm trying it out. I, I planted specifically things that bunnies could eat. So this every day I'll go out there and, <laughs> and thin and give them whatever I'm able to thin. And then eventually it'll get to the point where they'll probably be a half dozen, you know, lettuce plants, a couple of kale, wow. some carrots. And I'll just, I don't know. I, it's an experiment. We'll try it out. I know that it works. I just don't know if it'll work in my little planter box <laughs> in my apartment that only gets sun when the sun is not shining. So like, it's uh, not even outside or it's outside and it's got sun for like, half the day well, sure. and then the sun goes behind the apartment building. Guys, I can't wait to get a house. <laughs> someday. Someday it's going to happen. Chris S- Renus is telling us we're live right now. Oh, we're live on Facebook. Oh, text back. my mom. <laughs> <laughs> you spelled your wrong, Chris. 
Okay. <laughs> well, hi, Facebook. We're just thanks, Chris. Chit chatting. Wow. So, guys, it's but, been forever. I know. I don't totally know what the deal was, but we used to do Facebook Live every week for like. Yeah, I don't for know, a, a while. Year? Yeah, close to a year. I don't, I don't remember. I'm texting my mother. But it's basically <laughs> gone off the rails the past few weeks because... Some sort of technical issue with Facebook. Ooh. Whoops. Well, <laughs> uh, yeah, so I don't know. We, we've got a lot of technical stuff at Grace Church happening that yeah. I don't have any idea what, yeah. what is going on. But something happened where the technology to get to Facebook wasn't working and so... It's just been a you got to add some more, time. some more widgets to your algorithm. Yeah, and, and I think right, that just happened. Chris to the rescue. Thank you, Chris. Yeah, yeah. right on. Nailed it. Anyway, right, so, hey Facebook. She I, said yes. I'm already watching. Aw, hey. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I want to I want to hear about what's up with you, Marin. But no, did, no, Tyler, you are you able to Guys. share the big news? I think that was the perfect segue. Can we just bypass whatever's <laughs> no, going on in my miserable life no, and just no. talk uh, about you? <laughs> all right. I've had a lot to say about spontaneity on this podcast. <laughs> I've had a lot to say about Marin's life and like just what I thought at the time were like irrational, spontaneous decisions. Like Jed bought a house without Marin even like being, a year ago being today. Away. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, guess who is the proud homeowner <laughs> of two homes <laughs> right now? It's me. <laughs> I am. And guess who does not have a house for sale right now? Me. Hey. <laughs> Guys. All right. So I think, I don't know. I don't know if I put it this way on the show, but I've put put it this way in other places. My wife is uh, very much on the move. She's oh, yeah. very much like. She's a woman on the move. She's a go-getter. Yeah. And she loves like. She loves just being active and like close to things and especially family and friends. And so <laughs> she loves being close to things. Well, I don't, yeah. Yeah. like close to things that you can do. Like oh, right. our house is not close to anything. Not you, like a park. Yeah, and you right. have a toddler. We can't walk to a park. We can't really do anything right. unless we're driving. And you're about like an hour and a half away from any friends that yeah. <laughs> you have. So, yeah. And so she's been on the prowl for a new house. Uh, Kind of benounced to me, but Bene- it's kind benounced. of, <laughs> is that a word? I mean, I guess if unbeknownst is a word, then <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I understood sure. you. Yeah. So, uh, kind of benounced <laughs> to me, but kind of on the periphery. Yeah. And then yesterday we're, we're, <laughs> we're shooting, we're, uh, recording this podcast on a Tuesday. So Monday, I basically took the day off yeah. of work to go look at houses because she is going to go look at houses because we apparently are going to buy a house. So <laughs> yesterday we saw a home that I did not know existed. Didn't it and just hit the market yesterday? Yes. And we put an offer and that <laughs> offer was accepted. And now we own two houses. Well, not officially, but you know, you, yeah. you get it. Oh, yeah. sure. Yeah. And so I find myself outside at like 930 last night spreading mulch because bushes on sale now. And so you're talking about like removing herbs and stuff. Yeah. I would just prefer like an asteroid to hit my house right now <laughs> to just like eliminate all the yeah. stuff that is I that have covered? to do. Is that covered by your homeowner insurance? <laughs> so if anybody's looking for a four bedroom, uh, three bathroom house, that's an hour and a half away from everything you love. Uh, <laughs> give me a call. So that's what we're doing. I'm wow. so excited. I'm excited about this whole process. Marin, you got to help us move. We owe you. We owe you big time. You talked about the meatball under my couch like this yeah, time last right. year. This when time I went to go last help, year. When I went to go help Marin move last year, <laughs> Jed and I lifted the couch uh, to find a not eaten, but perfectly intact, perfectly whole meatball <laughs> under it. <laughs> that's just how we live. Yeah. So what you got under your couch? Where do you keep your meatballs? <laughs> I, I don't know. We'll find out when we move. Yeah. I can't wait. So that's what's happening. We're moving. Fun. Congratulations, Tyler. Thanks. I'm a little terrified. I'm happy. I'm excited. Oh, you yeah. know. It's all going to work itself cool. out. Cool basement. Yeah. The yeah. pictures but, looked awesome. Yeah. Um, also this weekend, my wife, I got to give big ups, props. Yes. Because I really respect somebody who sets a goal, works for it, and then accomplishes it. And yeah. She nailed it running her first ever mini marathon awesome. this past weekend. Awesome, wow. Lauren. Way to go, Lauren. The only downside is that it was freezing cold <laughs> and in the rain, and Milo and I stood out there for a whole two hours just like 
waiting. I'm, I'm sure he totally understood. You got to post no, he that was not, picture. He was not happy. We can post a picture somewhere. I'll post it on Instagram or something. But he is uh, completely miserable waiting for mama in the rain <laughs> Yeah, in his stroller. It's <laughs> like eyes are all red and just not happy. But yeah. And I've never... Have you guys ever been to one of these things? The marathons or mini marathons? Yeah. Well, mm, I've been to those. races, but yeah. not to a... I, I, my sister ran the mini a couple of years ago and I was there. So I've seen it. So it's, you have to go from like stop to stop to like wait. No. Well, yeah, we did. We went to a couple places. Um, super inspiring. Yeah. The mini. Yeah. It's like Why? you're watching a bunch of people who are like, I don't know, pushing their children in wheelchairs running or yeah. like Aww. people like army veterans carrying flags running yeah. or people that have like lost 400 pounds running. Ugh. There was a guy who I don't Wow. He, he said this is like his fourth marathon or something, but he's crossing the finish line holding a full size cardboard cutout of his, the way his previous life, like oh he was like 500 goodness. pounds. And now this guy looks like skinny dudes running across the finish line. Wow. Wow. And, uh, yeah, super inspiring all around. Everybody's super encouraging. It's like, there's a bunch of strangers running by me and you're like, you just feel compelled so to you're cheer them the on. You're one? doing great. You're inspired right now. Yeah. We just bought a house. So I got to, I got to rest <laughs> for a while, but training will commence maybe this summer. Did you guys see the video? Somebody in the London Marathon was dressed as Big Ben, the giant clock, but they couldn't fit under the finish line, so they like slammed into it, and then they couldn't figure out it. He couldn't bend over enough, so they had to like carry him over. You had to like get out of costume to (laughs) cross the finish line. That's hilarious. Well, I told Lauren I would run a, what is it? 5K 5K with her, so that's coming up. You guys are are Zumba partners. We did Zumba one time. (laughs) I don't think she loved it as much as I do, so we'll do the running instead. Yeah, Yeah. all right. But I gave her lots of uh, tunes for her playlist. Yeah, cool. Felt like I was running uh, with her in spirit. She asked friends to contribute songs to her running playlist, (laughs) and I couldn't figure out how to do it, so I'm glad you did. Yeah, YouTube. (laughs) That's how it works. (laughs) Yeah. Meredith, anything new with you? Um, what do we got to talk about? What's happening with your with your life? Again, if you don't have a prompt, I've completely drawn a blank. It's right. been a great week. Moving on. <laughs> uh, guys, this past weekend yeah. felt like a pretty significant milestone in the history of Grace Church. Barry so? gave a message. We're, we're still in the middle of Hope Month in our sermon series, but... Barry gave a message and it, it wasn't titled like how to fix racism or anything like that, but it was like, cause that's a good thing. Cause we didn't, <laughs> we didn't figure that one out. Yeah. But it was basically like, Hey, the, the fix to racism is this path of self-giving love. And we're going to talk more about, yeah, about that. But it was, it's centered on celebrating diversity, dignifying other cultures, uh, uh not just simply avoiding hatefulness, mm-hmm. but embracing yeah. The opposite of that. Yeah. And so I want to spend as much time as possible talking about yes. the sermon because it was super impactful and super, not, it's stuff that, I mean, I'm sure in 2019, like it's kind of just kind of floating out there. Like there's, there's versions of this other places, but to hear it in a church was super significant. So oh, yes. I want to talk to you, Barry, about, uh, your sermon. And so can you kind of give us a quick synopsis or a quick, uh, summary of the big idea or what you wanted people to walk away with? Yeah, for sure. Uh, so basically the big idea that I, I actually drew out of Ephesians four, which might seem like a completely out of left field passage to talk about issues of ethnicity and race. But my big idea was essentially that it is in our, our unity that our unity and love that the kingdom of God grows and expands, but it is our diversity of gifts, which makes us strong. And I was arguing that different ethnicities, races, that whatever you want to describe it as each one, each category of people brings with them a unique set of gifts that can, that they can offer the church. And so I was saying, if we want to be the church, if we want to be effective in this world, if we want to see God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, then we need to embrace the full spectrum Mm -hmm of the gifts that God has given the church. And we, we miss that when we are only surrounded by people who are like us, who think like us, who see the world like us. Yeah. We need that level of diversity, not as a kind of tokenism to make us feel good, but as an actual mechanism by which we grow mm-hmm. strong. So, and, and yeah, I 
we could unpack that, but that's yeah. basically it. That was the, that was the message. I use the analogy of a, a bodybuilder mm-hmm. who skips leg day all the time. Mm-hmm. Someone who's just like really ripped with big biceps, huge shoulders, but then you're scrawny, talking about me, scrawny little chicken legs. Yeah. Yeah. yeah basically. Except that part. Yeah. And I was saying like that, that's not what we're going for. We don't want because Paul uses the analogy of a body growing strong and yeah. we don't want to be strong in only part of our body. We want the whole body to be strong and growing mm-hmm. and full of love, as Paul says. Well, sure. And you didn't say this in your message, but uh, Tyler and I have each taken turns suffering from back issues yeah. <laughs> over the last two years. And that happens when one part of your body is totally. out of balance to, yeah. The yeah. whole rest of your body's out yeah. of whack and yeah. so not mm. it's, it's not just an, an aesthetic thing that we're talking about we're talking about functionality yeah. we want to be able to move forward and advance the kingdom of God and we absolutely cannot do that right. if we're lopsided right. if we're not uh, completely built up in Christ yep yep and it, it I want to go back to what you just said uh, because you said that you believed in you said in the sermon you believe that every ethnicity has a unique gift to bring to God's kingdom to make it stronger yeah. And now that is a, is a claim that I didn't draw from scripture, although there were, there are areas that I could have gone to regard, I mean, especially regarding like Jews and Gentiles. I could have instead to make that claim, I actually relied on my own experience mm-hmm. yeah. in spending the whole, pretty much the vast majority of my adult life traveling around the world and sitting at the feet of leaders from many different ethnicities all around the world and seeing yeah. how the church is growing and what each community that I've engaged with yeah. has to offer and realizing that my own like mono focused culture mm. is not adequate to fully yeah. understand the beauty of God's yeah. kingdom, God's character, God's purposes. Uh, and I need their wisdom and their perspective as much as anyone. In fact, here's what was kind of funny. Uh, so we had last week, we had a video with Celestin from alarm mm-hmm. This week we had a video interview with Tim and Tal from Penelican Island. Yeah. And as I'm watching both videos, I'm thinking, man, this is crazy. How in the world did they know the language to use that we would be using in this, in the, that I'd be using in my sermons? Like they seem to just completely get resonate with. And I realized, oh wait, I learned it from them. Uh-huh. <laughs> like yeah, these guys sure. taught me. And so no wonder we have the same language because they're the ones who taught me. Yeah. And so anyway, it was just, yeah, that's that's a case in point of how much we stand to gain by listening to the voices of others unlike ourselves. I think you you shared Ephesians 4 and I'm looking right now I've got my computer open I'm looking at verse 11 about the the gifts that Christ gave to his church. Now, yeah. Jed and I were a part of a church for many years mm-hmm. that would call this the fivefold ministry. I almost had a section I actually had to cut it out from my sermon that I was going to acknowledge that yeah. that that's a it's way a that people interpret this but I didn't I didn't have but time for it. In in the light of this context of the nations, the different ethnicities having gifts, us all being enriched by each other's gifts, these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. Apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Each ethnicity, each culture has apostles. Mm. They have prophets. Mm. They've got evangelists. They've got pastors, and they've yeah. got teachers. Absolutely, we could be learning and and so enriched by the gifts that Christ has given to his church, his universal church. And there's a, there's a difference. So it's nuanced, but there's a really important difference between saying we all have gifts to bring, to strengthen the kingdom. Yeah. And every ethnicity has gifts to bring, to strengthen the kingdom. There's a, it's the same thing, but when you say we all have this, it's like, it almost doesn't, it does, it almost feels less inclusive or something because it's like, well, the onus is off of me to really think deep about what that means. But when you start saying like every ethnicity has apostles and prophets and uh, teachers evangelists, and evangelists, pastors. it's like, oh, that that means something way deeper than when we're just like, we yeah. all have something to bring. Sure. You know? And and one of the things that's, I mean, this is too complicated to get into in a message like this, but the fact is that I, even the idea of ethnicity also carries with it ideas of culture and race and like history. There's just, it's a very, there's a, there's fluid uh, definitions between all these things. And so part of the, one of the things I mentioned in the sermon is that race as a concept is totally man-made. There isn't any real justification for saying that humanity is five races or any of that. It's all just made up. Yeah. And, and so 
it, in some sense, it seems unfair to say that each race or each ethnic, you know, each ethnic group has a different gift because it's like, well, what do you even mean by that? How do you define, do, do you say, is it just all black culture is one ethnicity or is there, is there a difference between, you know, it's, yeah. you could get into it. And I, so there's definitely some vagaries in language, but the essential idea, I think we've, we've covered that, that it's no matter how you slice it, each different group of people from each culture and nationality and ethnicity has something unique to offer. Yeah. So, um, okay. So you said unity and love helps the kingdom grow, but the diversity of gifts is what makes the kingdom strong. Yeah. Can I just tell you how many stars and hearts I put around that sentence? How many? <laughs> tell me why. How many? <laughs> One, two, three, four. Oh my goodness. And then I, I made it real, real bold. Why'd you do that? It is our unity in love, which helps the kingdom grow, but it's the diversity of our gifts, which makes us strong because I am 100% sick of seeing monocultural churches in America. Mm. Just to be frank. Okay. Why? So I grew up in a town that was, um, very white and had maybe like two denominations in it initially. Mm -hmm. And then this is just my childhood. Suddenly, um, a lot of people from the inner city were moving into my town. Mm. And a lot of the people that had lived in my town for a long time, like ran away. We mm. call it white flight. Mm. So I witnessed that growing up. Mm -hmm. And as a person who is at all times, Mexican, black and white, yeah. I couldn't yeah. quite get it. Like, why, why, mm. why is this a thing? Why mm. are we not? Why? I just didn't understand it. My town was um, really torn apart and almost decimated by um, the racial divisions. Um, even my high school, my high school's mascot was Richie Rebel, the Confederate soldier. This is a suburb, Chicago? a suburb of Chicago. Wow. Richie Rebel, the Confederate soldier was the high school mascot. Um, huh. and that was again, fraught with controversy, um, sure. where some people are like, um, we should not have this as our mascot. And some people are like, but we've had it forever. Stop <laughs> trying to change our traditions. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, there was a Confederate flag painted in the lobby leading to the gymnasium of my school. And it had like a depiction of like a different sporting event in every little triangle formed by the Confederate flag. And in each depiction, a white person from my school hmm. was like dominating a black person from Whoa. another school. Whoa. I, I, it's, it's, it boggles my mind that this, this was a Northern state yeah. and the suburb of Chicago, but it was what it was. Mm -hmm. I often wonder if that mural is still up mm -hmm. in that school. But I think because of where I grew up and because of the racial tensions that I had experienced and, and again, just the division within the body, my church was predominantly white. Um, and I, I always felt like I kind of stuck out. I didn't look mm -hmm. like all my friends or, you know, whatever, just knowing that I had a whole nother aspect to my family and who mm -hmm. I was, that was African-American and very much from another culture or my grandfather from Mexico. I just, why, why did we have the divisions yeah. that we had? Have you experienced, uh, personally the path, people taking the path of hate toward you or your family or friends oh, that yeah. are of different ethnicities? Can oh. you talk a little bit about that? Like how is, how, what, you don't have to be super specific, but how did that make you feel? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's hard a lot of times for somebody like myself because it depends on the way people see you. If they see you as white and they start talking some racist stuff and you're just like looking at them, like, are you really saying this right in front of me? Mm -hmm. Or on, on the flip side, Barry, one of my favorite things that you said in your message is that none of us have a license to hate yeah. because I have been in other circles. Um, one time I was in a, a group of African-Americans and they were saying things that were just spiteful and, and, and hateful. And mm. you're right. Neither side has the right to hate speech or a, a hateful heart, but I've, I've seen it on both sides yeah. um, and experienced it and heard it on both sides. And it's often been my role in life to bring the people together. So I think that's why I put so many stars and hearts around that sentence in particular, 
that diversity of gifts makes us strong. I feel like a monocultural church is that lopsided, um, out of balance, hmm. uh, at worst, uh, anemic. Yeah. Uh, how can you be strong if you only surround yourself with people who look just like you, act just like you, think and eat just like you, are from where you were from? I just, I just don't get it. And yeah. I, yeah, I mean, you can speak at length about the way that you have been enriched and the way that you have grown by traveling and experiencing um, Christianity. Yeah. Through other cultures. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about our brothers and sisters, Christianity. We're all like worshiping the same yeah. father. He's our father. Yeah. It's yeah. like if you're, if you're crawling up on Jesus's knee and he says, come to me as a child and you want to sit on Jesus's knee with all the kids that look just like you, yeah. but you want to push off the kids that don't. Yeah. That's your father. Yeah. 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 It, it's interesting because. One of the, I mean, obviously you've got quotes from like Martin Luther King saying, uh, King Jr. saying, um, you know, 11 o'clock on Sunday is the most segregated hour in America mm -hmm. because churches are so deeply segregated. And the, the reality is, as I think about it, it's like, yeah, but integration is really hard. It's hard. It's not comfortable. And part of me is like, I don't blame people for feeling like it's a lot of hard work and it, and easy, it's easy to throw up your hands and be like, what's the point? It's so, it's too hard. It's too challenging. And yet I look back at, I mean, I look at my Bible and I, I look at what the early church was going through and I was like, yeah, clearly it was hard. Mm. Paul had to say some, had to spell out some pretty, what would seem pretty obvious to, to get the church just to play nice with each other. It was, it's never hard to have a, have a, or it's never easy to have a community that's so diverse with so many different people and so messy. That's the whole thing. The church brings broken people to it, not healthy people. Yes. And, and you put broken people in a room who also happen to be told by the world that they shouldn't be talking to one another and, or, or even subconsciously and boom, you've got a recipe for a really, really challenging circumstance. Yeah. So like in a sense, I don't blame people for wanting what's familiar and what's comfortable. Yeah. It's just human nature, but mm -hmm. I don't believe that's what we're called to as a church. You said the key to celebrating diversity is the path of self-giving love. Yeah. Um, and then you gave the example of Jesus. So do you mind just kind of, uh, rehashing that to yeah. talk, to talk a little bit more about why that that's the key to celebrating right. diversity. Right. If you didn't hear the message last week, the first message of hope month, I laid out in much more detail, the paths of hate and the paths of self, the path of self-giving love. But put simply, in Philippians 2, the Apostle Paul says that we should have the same attitude as Christ. And he gives some examples of that. Uh, think about, consider others as better than yourselves. Be humble. Um, don't take an interest only in your own interests, but also take an interest in others too. All of that. And then he describes Christ as um, giving up, pouring out, uh, emptying himself of his divine privileges and becoming a servant or a slave and going to the cross and I kept referring to the fact that he died for people who didn't deserve it. So yeah. he, what he gave of himself and which by the way is everybody, right? Well, yeah. Everybody. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. And he, he descended down to a level, which is almost hard to wrap your mind around for the, for the love that he had for humanity, for us. Mm -hmm. And so we are called to have that same attitude, which means having humility, which is, uh, choosing to lower yourself and consider others better than yourself. Uh, it, it means having compassion, which is allowing others to enter into your life and then using whatever power or influence you have to lift them up, to remove barriers that keep them from thriving. And then elevation, which is essentially recognizing that the image of God is in that other person. Uh, whatever divides you, that whatever the world uses to divide you, you look at that other person and see that God's fingerprints are on their creation. Mm -hmm. And by doing that, you're essentially saying, wow, I, I, I realize that I can encounter God by being close to you, which is pretty wild and countercultural. And it, and it, it's a way of elevating their value in your heart and your soul mm -hmm. and your mind so that you are able to love them the way that Christ loved us. So that's the path of self-giving love. And the path of hate is the opposite. It's the inversion of that, um, going the other direction where you, um, you have, you feel, um, 
superior to somebody, superiority, yeah. and then it's uh, discrimination where you try to separate yourself from the other person, and then it's dehumanization where you actually see them as less human than yourself. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's those are the two paths, the path of hate and the path of self-giving love. So there's there's a bunch of possible different reactions that you could have to a sermon like this. One is like, a light just got shown on me and I get it and I want to know how I can help. <clears throat> Another version is like, the light is shown on me and now I feel super guilty for right for me personally for being a white guy. You yeah. know, yeah. Uh, there's there's the version where it's like, why do we keep talking about race? And you you address this yeah. in your sermon. There's the version where you you might be a different ethnicity than me personally, and you're like thank you for talking about this. There's a version of, uh, you may be a different ethnicity, um, than I am. And your reaction is, I don't think you went far enough. Right. (laughs) So can we just get the elephant out of the room and talk a little bit about that and why, um, you addressed the question. Why do we keep, why do we keep talking about race? Like if we just stop talking about it, maybe all this stuff would go away. Yeah. Why did you choose to, to address it that way? I felt it was really important to acknowledge the fact that that things, as much as we wish they were, things are not equal in our world because of actions that have taken place in the past that we have we did not do ourselves. We white people, white culture, we did not do these things. However, they were done and as a result, there are lasting implications in our world. And so the whole message I used Native Americans or First Nations people as a sort of an example of how this played out yeah. um, because Tim and Tal are working on Penelican mm-hmm. Island and uh, they have essentially lasting repercussions from generations of abuse and um, and dehumanization. And, you know, like it or not, they really are struggling. There's a the, the kids on that island, they have a deep level of shame for being First Nations, yeah. they have uh, lots of systemic issues like drug abuse and alcoholism that plague them generation after generation. There's there's economic inequality mm-hmm. where they're in these reservations where they are able to have certain rights and provisions, but to be able to ascend in the culture and be able to get bigger jobs and stuff like that, they have a really high uphill battle. Mm-hmm. So all of that, I didn't really get into detail in my message, but all of that is going on. Meanwhile. Mm-hmm. We just have to acknowledge the fact that we, all all of us, are on land that once belonged to First Nations people. And our economy was strengthened by their oppression. Our, you know, our economic, uh, the resources, the natural resources that we had access to by kicking them off of the land that, that was theirs. All of that happened in the past. And I, I ex- explained in the message that this was my big aha when I was in Penelica is that I don't have a shred of ill will towards any First Nations person. I don't hate anybody. And I wasn't responsible. I didn't do any of those things to them. I wasn't there. Right. I wasn't there. However, my life has benefited and their life continues to suffer as a result of past actions. And so for me to walk this path of self-giving love as a, in my case, as a white man, it means lowering myself and looking for ways that I can elevate those who are suffering at the hands of people in the past. Yeah. And so in my case, that means a a level of humility and dissent, which many people, not many, some people feel very uncomfortable with. And I've actually had a few people respond to the sermon. Mm. Most of the responses I've gotten have been overwhelmingly positive, extremely encouraging people. So fired up, but I did have some people who felt very, they did not resonate with this idea at all. Mm -hmm. And they essentially said something to the effect of why am I being, why am I supposed to hate myself for being white? And why am I supposed to, uh, constantly have to be humble for stuff that I didn't do? Yeah. So I get it. People struggle with that concept, but that's, that's what I believe is the appropriate response, the appropriate path for me to take as someone who has benefited from past exploitation. Can we just say that lowering oneself does not mean hating oneself? Right. That's a, that's a great reminder from the first week. Yeah. Yeah. It, what do you mean? For me to humble myself to uplift someone doesn't mean that I'm debasing myself. Right. It doesn't mean that I that I don't see the fingerprint of God in the way that I was created. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. All y'all, fearfully <laughs> and wonderfully made. Yes, you yeah. are. But to be 
like our Savior, to be like our King, whose throne was a cross, we are mandated mm. to lower ourselves, to submit to those around us, to esteem them as being higher than ourselves. Yeah. And these kinds of questions are so countercultural, especially in Western Christianity. Yeah. So countercultural, they make me reassess the definition of the word Christian. Mm. And is this something I really want to be? When you said we're called to give up our lives on behalf of people who do not deserve it. Can we just sit with that for yeah. a minute? Who wants to do I'm that? Out. Right? <laughs> yeah. Called to give up our lives on behalf of people who don't deserve it, but that's exactly yeah. what our what our greatest example, what our leader, what our Lord showed right. us right. we mm -hmm. should do. Right. So Jesus didn't go to the cross because he hated himself. Right. Mm -hmm. He it went to the cross with, because of love. Right. It was love that drove him there right. and it's love that will drive us to humble ourselves. Right. Philippians 2, 6 says, though he was God. Yes. Like it starts with, I think, I think that's a, honestly now I kind of, that's one thing I kind of wish I could maybe ha have hammered home a little more is the idea that frankly, hum true humility that, that comes through maturity is out of a place of being fully fully established in your own worth and value in Christ. Yes. You recognize I am a child of God. Therefore I can give up myself because I know who I am. Yeah. Mm. That I, I, I want to identify like my father. Yeah. 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 Once I know who, where I belong and who I belong to suddenly it's, I can, I can walk that path. Maybe I, maybe I could have emphasized that more, but that, yeah, I think that that's very different than saying just too bad. You, you were born white. So you got to hate yourself. It's not that yeah, at all. It's not that at all. God created you white. God created me a white guy. Yeah. That, I shouldn't feel bad about that. Right. But I, I shared the story last week of kind of my process through discovering some things that I didn't like about myself when yeah. it comes to this stuff. And as soon as it, as soon as I had this weird like awakening of to some prejudice within me or <clears throat> how I would discriminate, it's like all of a sudden being white, it wasn't, it wasn't something that I needed to like hate about myself. It was right. like, Oh, now I, now I feel almost a sense of responsibility to advocate for mm -hmm. because of, because I want to be like Christ, like, and because I'm white, like I get to do that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, it, it is tough because I could see how people would feel like this is an, an attack or they could be like, all right, well, yeah, you first then you go first. Right. And I'll follow you. Right. You know, totally. uh, well, okay. This is going to sound like a tangent, but it does, it does connect. So I didn't, I wish I could, have, I wish I had like 60 minutes for this sermon because <laughs> I had so much stuff I wanted to talk about. But, um, so one of the things that I, I reflected on as I talked about elevation at the end is about how different, different groups have a different perspective on theology. So one of the things that has been a bigger, big revelation for me in, in at Fuller at they're very, very committed to making sure that we are hearing from voices mm -hmm. that are very different than just, you know, that we are being exposed to many different voices. And so one of the things, I mean, this is, it's kind of obvious when you really think about it, but you know, you look at all the different categories, you've got uh, black liberation theology and like yeah. Latino theology and, and you've got feminist theology and womanist theology, which is, which is black women theology. And there's like all these different cat subcategories of theology, but guess what theology by like white European dudes is called just theology, theology, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, and nobody has a category for that. Yeah. Nobody wow. looks at that as like, Oh, let's go read some white theology today. Nobody would look at it that way. Cause it's just, it's just the status quo that, a bunch of guys in Germany yeah. mm. wrote the bulk of like Carl Bart. I mean, go ahead. New King James. <laughs> there it is. That has never been more appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> but like, yeah, Carl Bart wasn't, it's not his fault that he was white. He just, yeah. he lived in Germany at a time where he became a theologian. And so he had lots to say, but now we have all these other voices. And I think what, what the mistake is to hear the, like, wait, you're saying I have to read black theology and I have to read African theology. That does not mean Therefore, that white theology is worthless or there's nothing for it to teach us. There is. There's a ton to teach us. Oh, my yeah. goodness. Yeah. But it's it's about acknowledging the fact that there is value in all of these and that if I only listen to white theology, I am not getting a complete picture of, of the truth. That takes me back to my hearts and stars around your <laughs> It is our unity and love, yeah. which helps the kingdom grow. But it's the diversity of gifts, which makes us strong. I put my kids in a Lutheran school, Lutheran theology. Yeah. Then we were going to a Calvinist church. 
that theology. Yeah. But then I was in a black gospel choir and I brought my kids with me all yeah. the time because I wanted them to get a bigger picture than I felt I got yeah. growing up. Yeah. I, I got a very myopic view of yeah. Pentecostal yeah. <laughs> Christianity and I wanted my kids to know, oh my goodness, there's so much more. And that, again, just to be enriched by the gifts of the people around them and the cultures around them and the passions of the people around them and the cultures around them. They yeah. were all serving in different areas and different broken places. And I wanted my kids to get as big of a picture as I could. Um, I'm going to quote you. You said, imagine how far along we'd be. This is paraphrasing. If, if when we had arrived here in America, if we had let them, if we had let the native peoples, teach us. And then you took it a step further and said black theology, Asian theology, Indian theology, Latin American theology, Middle Eastern theology, the gifts from each of these ethnicities will help the church to speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ. And that gave me pause. I had to stop and think about that for a while. Mm. Because you're not saying well, let's just take aspects of Hinduism and let's just take no, aspects yeah. of these other religions and, and that's going to make us more like Christ. That's not what you're saying at, not all. at all. No, I had to think about people I know, ministries I know, um, in this case, musicians I know that are doing just that, that are learning from the culture around them, being yeah. enriched by that theology and even using it for the sake of evangelism. So I've talked about this group on this show before. Tyler knows my favorite worship band is a Hindi, Hindi yeah. worship band. Yeah. Um, and they're called Aradna and they have a song called uh, Jayadev. Jayadev, Narahari, Narahari. And that's how it goes. <laughs> Narahari. You, you, know, you know what that all yeah. means. Right Narahari now. is a Sanskrit name Sanskrit? Yeah. for uh, their Lord Vishnu, which means it's a combination of man and lion. Hmm. Do we know a God like that? Hmm. Yeah. Is there a way that we can take pictures and imagery and things that are very real to their culture and say, actually, there's some truth in that. Yeah. Let me introduce you to the Lion of Judah. Mm. Right. You know, how cool is that? But you yeah. don't get that by going in and beating them over the head with your way of understanding yeah. the Lord. You yeah. know, it the patience that it took and the... Uh, the dedication it took to learn the other culture to be able right. to bring Christ to right. them in a language and in a way that they would understand. People are doing this all over the world. Yeah. 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 A couple of years ago, I had the uh, privilege of going to the Institute for Reconciliation down at Duke Divinity School. And um, they put you in, it's a week long, basically like seminary level crash course and like understanding different aspects of reconciling relationships. Uh, one of the most popular ones was reconciling between black, white yeah. individuals. And so um, there was a guy in my class who, he was a white guy. He was probably 55. He's a historian. He's writing a book about, he's writing a book about the history of Maryland. Yeah. That's <laughs> but uh, he you was got your, You've got your pre-order pre yeah. already. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I asked him, you know, why are you here? Why are you at this place? And he said, in doing my research for my book, I discovered that my family and my ancestors were big time slave owners. Mm. And so I feel like all of a sudden, now that I am informed and now that I am educated uh, about what that means and what that meant for my family uh, to you know, make money that way for years and years and years. Yeah. And I'm informed and educated about what that means for other people's families, yeah. families of the slaves. Uh, I feel like I have, I, I, I have to do this. I have to enter into the conversation of racial reconciliation and healing. Yeah. And so that's why he was there. I don't know what he's done since then, but it's like, if I'm looking at this and I hear a message like what you gave Barry and I'm yeah. like, well, what does this have to do with me? I, I wasn't around when, you know, right, right, right. Once you understand a story of somebody who has experienced, you know, injustice or racism or whatever, yeah. I love what Tim said in the, in the video, which was on behalf of your relationship with God, you, you should feel a sense of obligation to care about that. You should mm -hmm. feel a sense of sure. obligation to care about the person that is being oppressed. And this guy who's super, uh, 
I, I just admire people like that. Who's like, I discovered something that I hate about my past that I had nothing to do with, right. but like you were saying, I've, I've somehow benefited from mm-hmm. this and you multiply that throughout the entire country 200 years ago. And it's like, we all, we all have some kind of repercussions from back then. Right. Even though I wasn't there, like I, what responsibility do I have on behalf of Christ to care about that? Right. To me, that sounds like you're picking up your cross. Yeah. How easy would it be to just ignore the pain because it's too hard and just leave the cross sitting there Yeah. and and not take it up every day. But I think that when, again, when you humble yourself in love, you're taking up your cross. You're taking up the cross of Christ, his cause, his heart. And I, and I hope this came across. I mean, yes, as a, Speaking as a white man in my sermon, I did give some extra attention to my perspective on what I, what it means for me to walk the path of self-giving love. But the reality is every person who follows yes. Christ has to humble themselves. And I, I did yeah. mention, no matter what your yeah. ethnicity is, you do not have a license to hate. Yeah. And there are plenty of people who would love to be able to be freely hateful mm-hmm. because yeah. they don't feel that justice has been served. They don't feel like they, like their needs have been taken care of. And yeah. so it would be tempting for them regardless. I mean, this is true for, for there are many white people in our country who feel hated and they feel like they have every right to hate back. Yeah. And so it, it, it's also true though for minorities who feel they have been the the recipients of injustice mm-hmm. for them to say, well, I've earned this hate. Yeah. But every one of us has to meet each other at the foot of the cross, so to speak, to use that old, Christian Mm -hmm. cliche. We have to carry our cross. We have to die to ourselves. And that means choosing to humble ourselves, even though it's costly and it, and it's not fun. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been thinking a lot about this since this past weekend and we're in something called hope month. Yeah. And this message, uh, it's easy to miss the hope if you're not paying attention. Yeah. It's like, wow, that's super discouraging. Like the world is super hateful and racist. And all I got to do is like, be Die. humble. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that is. Where, so my question is, where, when, when do we get to hope, or where do we find hope in this? Because I, I don't want people to walk away from this month being like, well, that wasn't really hopeful, or you know, that wasn't a downer at all. <laughs> like I, I, I want people to be. I want it to be clear to people how this is hopeful. Yeah, so, I, I found some hope on Sunday. If I can speak yeah, to that, let's talk about it. Um. Again, apologies to whoever was sitting in front of me at the Fishers campus because I was, I was saying my hallelujahs out loud. <laughs> I was saying my amens out loud. It just happens. Yeah. It just flows. <laughs> By the end of your message, I started to cry. And I looked up and I saw at the Fishers campus uh, at the 11 o'clock hour, all the high schoolers sit together. And my son was sitting directly across the room from me with all of the high schoolers in that section of the room. Mm. And I thought back to the church I was in when I was a high schooler mm. and how <laughs> I would have never heard a message like this yeah. in, in my church. And I thought, if this is the norm for these kids attending grace, mm. I just lost it. I yeah. was bawling with gratitude, yeah. Barry. Holy cow. I thanked you last week for taking us <sighs> into, you know, difficult yeah. places. And I'm going to say it again because I have two high school students that are hearing about self-giving love, that are hearing about elevating others above themselves, that that's what it means to be a follower of Christ. Mm. That self-sacrifice is what it means to be a follower of Christ. That love is what it means to be a follower of Christ. And I'm just overwhelmed. I was overwhelmed with gratitude. That was that was the hope. Now, another another wave came right after that that drove me to the cross at Fisher's. Um, I kind of got this picture of us standing at the base of a mountain. Yeah. It's, it's been a long and somewhat difficult road, but now I see the road is just vertical. Yeah. <laughs> it's just going straight up. Yeah. And I started to just weep. Oh Lord. I just started to weep over his church 
and over Grace Church in particular and over the staff here at Grace Church and the leaders here at Grace Church. And I just got on my knees and was just sobbing at the cross in Fishers. And mm. their prayer person was so nice. He just kind of stood by. Patted your back. <laughs> he, 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 he waited. I didn't realize he was waiting for me, but he stood there for a long time because I cried Man, for a long gonna, time. We need to turn the lights off and go home. Yeah. <laughs> I cried for a long time. And finally he said, Marin, is there something I can pray for you for? And that's you what I was just like, pray, pray for the church. <laughs> Like, ma'am, this is an Arby's. Yeah. <laughs> but again, I said it last week and I'll say it again this week. We're called to walk a narrow path. Yeah. I, I think f- for many American Christians, they don't maybe understand why it's called a narrow path because it's yeah. it's been relatively wide. Mm-hmm. And I, I thank you for shining the light on the fact that you said it this week. This will be difficult. Yeah. yeah. This will be hard. This is countercultural. Right. But I mean- Self-giving love is more countercultural than it's ever been. That's what you said. And that is awesome. I sent your message to a friend of mine who's very much not professing Christian person. Yeah. um, Because I've been telling my dear, dear friends since I got this job, this church is different. It's not like that. I promise. No, really. And I sent her your message and she just wrote me back. Oh my goodness. Wow. I passed that on to my friend. My non-Christian friend is sharing your message with that's, another that's non-Christian crazy. friend <laughs> wow. because of how radical this is. Yeah. Yeah. This yeah. is countercultural and yeah. this is what we need. This is what the, what our nation needs. It's what the world needs. It's what yeah. Jesus told us to do to begin with, Yeah. to love others better than we love ourselves. Yeah. Well, thank you. That's, thank you. Very encouraging. I, I, I always a little, I balk a little bit at being thanked for taking this step because I feel partially like what other step would I take? This is, God has led us to this place. And partially because this is not, it's not like grace is turning a corner from who we are. This is, this is in my opinion, a natural outgrowth of what the last 27, eight years have been of grace. It has been this journey of discovering why we're on this planet and as a church. And to me, uh, yes, this was this was the most terrifying sermon I've ever given. I was so scared. I was so nervous. But it, to me, I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, like, what other step would I take? I'm, I've already committed every last breath of my life to the kingdom of God, and and I'm I've given myself to to Jesus. So if this is it, then 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 that's it. So that yeah. So thank you for saying all that. I don't want to take an ounce of credit for it though, because I feel like this is simply being us being obedient to what God has been leading us in to this point. To your question, Tyler, where's the hope? There are three words that oh, I yeah, said. Oh yeah, I forgot I asked that. You did ask that. Yeah. <laughs> there are three words that I said. Every message, it got me emotional. I don't think I necessarily showed it though, but in my, in my I got caught up when I said it. After saying the words, this will be hard, mm-hmm. my next three words were, but so be it. Mm-hmm. So be it. The hope is that we are not going to stray from this vertical path, this, this very challenging path, because it's why we're here. Not specifically, you know, race, racial ethnicity, but all, the whole thing, this becoming a church in America that is focused on self-giving love, that's who we are and that's who we will become. Mm-hmm. And your kids are going to grow up <laughs> in a church where that is the norm. Yeah. That's what they hear again. And they're going to hear, they're going to get so sick of their pastor talking about self-giving love because it's why I, it's why I'm in this role. It's why God sent me all around the world. It's why... He shaped me the way he did. Mm-hmm. And and it's and it's why he shaped all of the people who are a part of Grace Church. You know, I'm 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 only a tiny little part in a bigger picture. And if we're all willing to face that thing that makes us a little nervous, <laughs> then I think we then so be it. We will yeah. start to see this. We will see grace being strong and unified and diverse and having, like I said in my message, the full having access to the full range of the the gifts that the Holy Spirit has given the church to heal this world. That's yeah. that's that's why I'm here and that's why we're here. And by the way, going back to the path of self-giving love, like the first step is humility. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If you're just trying to do humility on your own, that's really that is really hard. Yeah. Mm. Uh, just being like, ooh, I gotta be humble now. Yeah. That is really hard. Yeah, you and chances get, you are get for chewed me, up, chewed up and spit out. Yeah, chances the, are for me, if I'm just like, if I'm counted on to just choose humility all the time, I'm not going to do it. No. But there is something really, really freeing about doing some like self-discovery or like some searching of ourselves and being like, 
instead of being like, hey, I'm not racist, being like, God, I need you to search me yes. for something that may be within me that I don't know yes. that is keeping me from being humble. Yeah. Because humility as a first step is like really intimidating to people who aren't that yeah. way. Yeah. And I'm talking about myself. And so it's really, really freeing to put this on God and say, I need you to search me because I don't, I don't think I'm that way. I don't yeah. think I'm, yes, you know, and you're partnering arrogant or with whatever, his Holy spirit. Yeah. And the Holy spirit does the work mm. points yeah. out areas where we all need humbling. Does it for me all yeah. the time, all the time. And then empowers us and equips us to do better Yeah, and to be humble. Yeah. I got a, there was this one person who wrote on Facebook. It was very negative about the the message and my mom was reacting to me. She was texting me about it and she was all uh, up in arms. And then she's like, Oh, Barry, why'd you tell us to be humble? Cause now, now <laughs> yeah. I'm realizing I have to be humble to this person. And, yeah. and you yes. know, it's like, it's oh like, my. But, but that's the upside down kingdom. It's the upside down kingdom. But imagine the hope if we all began to try that, you know, if yeah. that began, began to become part of the fabric, not that it's not already, but if, if that was so common that our high school kids were going around humbling themselves, like that would Can be, you imagine? Oh, you know, it'd be an incredible, incredible vision. And it's not a vision that we're inventing. It's a vision that we yeah. are, we are taking straight out of the pages of scripture. And I want to be, I want to, I want to hear what you guys have to say about this, because I feel pretty strongly that it's not, it's not good enough. And I want you to correct me if I'm wrong it's not good enough to just be like positivity, <laughs> like <laughs> humility, compassion, elevation. That is all like, that's all good stuff. It's really yeah. hard, but it's really good. Yeah. For me personally, I need to be able to be like really sad <laughs> yeah. about how things are not the way they should be in yeah. God's kingdom right now. Is that because you love being sad? I so like much. being sad. Marin says I love being sad, <laughs> but I think lamenting, yeah. lamenting the fact that, it is not the way God wants it to be is really important. Right. And I think that we are called to do that. And if I'm humble and I can uh, have compassion on people and elevate them, that is awesome. But I also need to be able to create space yeah. to lament their situation if they have experienced some kind of oppression or the sure. fact that this is not what God wants sure. for his creation. Do you guys think that's important or no? Yeah, I totally agree. I, I I think I think we have to lament as a community the brokenness of our world in all of its ways, not just in this topic. Yeah. In all of its ways, we must get in the habit of lamenting. We're going to start a series this summer all about the Psalms. It's going to be mm. called Honest to God. Mm -hmm. And like some of it is going to be super uplifting and like high-fiving each other yeah. like isn't God good? And some of it is like where are you, God? Some of it is, why is our world so broken? Some yeah. of it is, why have I been betrayed by a friend? Like literally that's how specific one Psalm is that we'll look at. I think we'll look at that one, but yeah. it's like, I want, I, I think that is a part of our general, it needs to be a part of our, uh, the flow. As long as we're living in this broken world, we need to lament. Jesus lamented, mm -hmm. like he wept tears, like, like blood coming out of his, yeah. of his eyes when, when he was going to the cross, it is absolutely okay for us to lament. And I think it's important. And the thing is where humility comes in is it is really hard to lament if you're spending all of your time being defensive. Yes. Mm -hmm. And, and yes. so we have to, in humility, it's okay totally. to lament that totally. things aren't right without feeling like you're being attacked for it. Yeah. Yeah. I loved when you said, uh, humility is not passive, it's active. Yeah. And I think that's what you're talking about, Tyler. Yeah. It's not okay to just, you know, kind of be positive and yeah. just, just stay positive, but that there is a, there's yeah. An active an activeness. Um, there's one line I learned a long time ago. Um, muscle is made for motion, right? Mm, like, like that. to put these things in motion. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and that's maybe my biggest question walking away from your message was, okay, so in real time, what yeah. does this look like? in my life? What does it look like for me to be actively humble? What does it look like for me to use my resources to uplift and empower another, um, to lower myself? What, what does all this look like in, in reference to everything you talked about, yeah. <laughs> oppressed people, groups, um, even just neighbors, you know, what does this look like? Yeah. Yeah. I just, 
I I I tend toward the the negative stuff part of almost everything. Like that is just kind of my my yeah. thing. I'm not really like an optimist. Optimist? Optimist. Yeah, optimist. Yeah. <laughs> uh so but I didn't know if it was like wrong for me to think that way with lamenting because if I'm encountering somebody who's I mean, Marin, you just shared your story a little bit about how you've experienced uh, racism or the path of hate in the church. Now, I have a choice to choose the path of love with you, but also I, I want the freedom to be like, this is not the way it should be. And lamenting takes time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you can humble yourself, have uh, compassion on people. But if you're if you're going to take that step of being like, this is not what God wants for you. And it's not what God wants for me. We have to basically like allow speed, the speed to slow down. And you know what you did? Journey toward hope. You asked me. Yeah. And that's what Barry's talking about. Like the compassion part is listening. Like the tip of the iceberg was just you being my friend and asking me about my experience. Yeah. Mm. I think that's a good place for all of us to start before we, so many times our, our first inclination is one of assumption. Right. I look at you and I assume this must have been your life. Like we just build narratives for people all the time. I think that that yeah. is very human and we might not even be doing it on purpose. I know I did it all the time. I still do it. I still find myself building false narratives about people. Mm-hmm. I think the first step in compassion that you just showed was to just ask Ask the other, yeah. <laughs> ask, ask the friend sitting across the pod desk from you what yep. their experience in life is like. Yeah. And yeah. And then the one last thing I'll bring back up with uh, verse 11 from Ephesians four, talk about the different gifts. Look, look at who are in there. Prophets, evangelists, and pastors. Okay. Evangelists that literally, the word literally means good news, like good news bringers, right? The they're, good bringing, newsers. they're the good newsers. Uh, pastors, they're the they're there. Let's walk together. Let me shepherd you through what you're experiencing. And then the prophets, well, sometimes it's good news and sometimes yeah. it's not so good. They're, the, they're yeah. the ones that sort of prod the people to lament yeah. throughout the yeah. Old Testament specifically. So you've got this mix of people and I don't, I tend to lean towards it being more, these are general generalized gifts mm-hmm. rather than very specific the titles. Five. That, the, yeah. This, that, yeah. But regardless, either way, it's like there's a diversity of voices and this applies in small communities as well as broadly, but we each bring something different. And there are, there are people, Tyler, like you who perhaps need to be the ones that lead us into lament while others can help lead us out into joy and hope. Mm -hmm. And and it's a, it's a communal thing. Lament, (laughs) joy and hope. Okay. All right. Marriage pointing at each one of us. It's it's great pod listening, Uh, which is why. All right. So we've talked a lot about a group of volunteers at Grace call themselves the listening table. They care a lot about healing this broken place. They're having an event in Fishers at the Fishers campus at the end of this month where they're featuring a panel discussion full of grace church people, congregants, staff members who are going to share their stories of how they've experienced the path of hate in their communities and possibly at grace and then talk about how we move forward in the path of Mm -hmm. love. It's going to be super Super compelling, I yeah. think. Yeah. And so I can't wait for that. What are the details again? Fisher's Campus. It's uh, May 24th at Fisher's Campus. It's going to be at 7 p.m. Uh, you can find more on uh, gracechurch.us slash hub or Listening Tables Facebook page. But I'm pumped about that event because yeah. it's going to be it's going to be joy and yeah. it's going to be let's let's talk about some hard things right yeah. now. And if you're at a complete loss, dear listener at where, what another next step might be. That's, that's a great one. Another one might be to come to our Latino worship night. Yeah. Yeah. We have, uh, the 17th 17th. on the 17th, 7 PM, I think it's a pitch in and then a worship night with English and Spanish, I believe, or is it mostly Spanish? Um, mostly Spanish, but I think it'll be a a little bit of both. Okay. It, this guaranteed would be a great way for you to step a little bit out of your comfort zone. If this is all completely, uh, like, like reading Greek to you. If, if this, this may be the kind of thing where you could just come and just listen and experience and say what, like, just learn what, what is this experience for you? What does it mean to worship in your language? Just like come and watch and observe. You don't even have to really interact with many people. Just bring a dish, hang out, learn, 
and and see what what God does. See just how just come and be blessed. Yeah, just come and be blessed. Yeah, it's it's the Holy Spirit that unites us all, and you will come and you will experience the presence of the Holy Spirit. And by the way, when there's pitch ins, like people who attend church pitch ins and like bring something, it's usually amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Is that your, has that been your experience? Yeah, it's like. I'm going to make the best version of my mac and cheese for my church friends and family. And it, it is always great. That's, that's interesting. Yeah. I don't remember that when, at my, in my childhood at a much more con, kind of traditional uh, church. I don't, pitchins were, the food was never that good. Oh, come on. It's like, it's going to be great. The multicultural inter- international yeah. thing, it has its difficulties. And one of them is language. And one of, one of the problems we ran into with this particular gathering was translating the word pitch in. Oh my goodness. Oh. It <laughs> sounds funny. like work. Yeah. It's like pitch in and help. Yes. I don't want what? Yeah. That's like, exactly no, bring food. what Daniel was saying. Yeah. yeah it was funny. Uh, <laughs> Great sermon. I'm super proud of Grace Church. I'm super proud of you, Barry, for for going there. Um, It's one of those things, kind of like I felt last year when Amy was able to give the uh, the Me Too sermon. It's Mm -hmm. like it's like a milestone that I'm going to put a pin in. That anytime I want to talk about these issues with some with someone who we're having an interesting discussion, I'm going to be like, Hey, why don't you watch this just Mm -hmm. to see what what you think about what our church thinks and believes and stands on. So. Thank you for giving that. Where are we going next? So this next week, I get a week off. Uh, Dad is going to be preaching. Yay! Thanks. Thanks. No, the week off. Oh, oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. I, don't, I was oh, like, man. you happy wow. to see me go? After, yeah. <laughs> uh, get a week off. Dad's going to be talking. He's going to be uh, same model of the message where he's going to talk about the path of hate, the path of self-giving love as it relates to economic inequality. And or, Mother's or, Day. And my, <laughs> oh my economic or socioeconomic classes and yeah. all of that. So I don't know. I he's, I think it's going to be really uh, provocative and interesting as well. And so I'm excited to see <laughs> on, Mother's on Mother's Day. Day. <laughs> we'll also give a shout out to the moms. We have a propensity for doing cool stuff like that. <laughs> it's like baby dedications. Day. We're talking about the plague. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that does seem to be our pattern. Yeah, yeah. Cool. We can't wait. Uh, yeah. Anything else on racism? Um, the the first that keeps coming to my head, we did not use this in the message. If you are struggling with this message, I encourage you to listen to it again. It's online. It helped me to mm-hmm. listen to it more than once. And to just keep in your head at all times that the greatest of these is love. Mm. So if yeah. you if you heard the message the first time and you felt like it was just a bunch of, you know, political rhetoric, listen again. It wasn't. Listen again and listen for love. The greatest of these is love. Mm-hmm. And and the whole theme of Hope Month, what we're talking about is the opposite of hate. Obviously, that would be love. Yeah. And we're just all trying to get to that place to where we can just be the church that exemplifies the love of Jesus. And if you're really mad, feel free to call Marin directly. Call me up. <laughs> call. I'm serious. I'll talk with you. I will have you over to my house. Wow. I'll cook for you. And you can tell me all your grievances. But I'm going to tell you the greatest of these is love. Okay. And on that note, will you please send us out? (laughs) Do justly, love, mercy, and walk humbly with your God. And we'll see you on the other side of Sunday. 